It is the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas, city to city, state to state, coast to coast. Interviews, news reports, breaking news, and the return of outside-the-box non-sports related. So tune in to your favorite host and conductor of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, Anthony Smith. podcast with your conductor Anthony Smith and we've got a lot to get to and we might even take a few detours I know that I've been the last couple of shows I've been kind of in on the college football season coming up but I'm going to take a detour on this route known as the A train trust me we will not be derailed we will get back to the college football talk but I want to talk about the association. That's right, the NBA. In particular, I want to talk about what may be perceived as a double standard, so to speak. Now, those of you who have followed the path of LeBron James knows that usually what LeBron James wants, LeBron James usually gets. And let's just be honest. We know for a fact that tampering goes on in the NBA. Bottom line. Can't get around it. Can't deny it. Tampering goes on in the NBA. Just not as blatant as we see it. Well, what's your facts on that there's tampering? Well, those of you who have watched the NBA as long as I have, Y'all remember the rivalries. You didn't have these players meeting up in the offseason saying, hey, man, it'd be nice to play for you. Or how about the banter back and forth between, say, Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler? You know, some of the comments they've made on social media, tweeting back and forth. That could easily be perceived as tampering, but nothing was done or said about it. LeBron James hooks up somewhere during the offseason with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, and they all decide, you know what? We're going to land in Miami. Nothing is done about it. LeBron James finds his way going back to Cleveland. This is what I want. So now, let's fast forward. Because the NBA has done nothing about it. I mean, when you look at all the player movement, all the player friendliness, you know tampering is going on amongst the players, maybe not amongst the organizations. If they really want to enforce it, yes, they could enforce it, but they don't. But when it comes to one particular guy who has been loyal to an organization for 10 plus years, now he decides, I want to be traded, and this is where I want to go. The NBA takes strong stance. Damian Lillard's trade demand. Shortly after the NBA draft, Damian Lillard requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. Subsequent reporting has noted how Lillard has a preference 
to play for the Miami Heat. As the trade saga between Lillard and Portland has worn on, rumors have surfaced regarding Lillard's insistence on playing in South Beach, with some fans and media speculating that he would refuse to play for any other franchise. However, the NBA appears to have taken a strong stance regarding those rumors. According to the Athletics' Shams Sharania, who has who was speaking on a recent episode of The Rally, the NBA has met with Lillard and his agent. This just came in. The NBA sent a memo to its 30 NBA teams informing them that they have interviewed Damian Lillard and his agent Aaron Goodwin about his stance that he only wants to play in Miami. The league advised both Lillard and Goodwin that any future comments as far as him only wanting to play in Miami would subject him to discipline if those comments were to continue. Why? As well as a warning to the NBAPA that any future comments by players or their agents that are similar to the ones that are I only want to play for this specific team in a trade request could also be subject to discipline as well. It would seem that Lillard no longer holds all the cards in his desire to force his way to the Heat. See, I I, I have a problem with that because I'm going to get back to this article, but when you stop and think about it, James Harden, he forced his way out of Cleveland. Not Cleveland, I take that back. He forced his way out of Houston and had a desire to go to Brooklyn and team up with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. It didn't work out. It started getting toxic. He forced his way out of Brooklyn, his desired spot, my dream spot, Philadelphia. Well, move. Fast forward, he's trying to get out of Philly right now, which to me, I don't know why, because you kind of forced the issue with getting Doc Rivers out, or at least that's what's being said. But now you want out of Philly, and you let it be known, you want to be a Clipper. Well, it's one thing to be what you want to be. It's another thing if they want you to be. But all I'm saying is I'm trying to point out the hypocrisy known as NBA. But I guess in that memo, they said now other players can't say this either. So it remains to be seen just if they really enforce this. But it would seem that Lillard no longer holds all the cards in his desire to force his way to the heat. Now that the NBA has gotten involved, other teams around the league may feel emboldened to try to pry the All-Star guard away from Portland. The Trailblazers have been standing firm in regard to potential returns from a Lillard trade and have clearly not been impressed with what Miami has offered to this point. And I do believe that I have some audio from the crew in regards to Sham Sharonia. And here's what they've had to say in regards to that. Just came in now. I just got this. The NBA sent a memo to its 30 NBA teams 
about uh, informing them that they have interviewed Damian Lillard and his agent Aaron Goodwin about his stance that he only wants to play in Miami that he yes he wants to trade as we've reported via sources but also that as we reported and as his agent has said publicly that he only wants to play in Miami and the league advised both Lillard and Goodwin that any future comments of the sort as far as him wanting to only play in Miami will be potentially subject him to discipline I'm told uh, in this memo uh, if those comments continue as well as a warning to the NBPA that any future comments by players their agents that are similar to the ones as far as I only want to play for this specific team in a trade request uh, if that's made that could also be subject to potential discipline as well but in reading this memo the NBA told its teams that they spoke to Goodwin they spoke to Lillard and that Goodwin essentially denied telling teams uh, that that he told them that he, he only uh, that Lillard would only play in Miami um, and so at, from from what this memo states uh, they've all the, the NBA also spoke to other teams and, and and essentially they were they were given the messaging as well that Goodwin's statements were consistent uh, for the most part. So this is relevant information because uh, for the league to take the step of going and interview, interviewing Damian Lillard, going and interviewing uh, his agent, uh, really informing them to essentially uh, knock off any potential rhetoric about only wanting to be traded to Miami. So there you have it, straight from the source right there. So Lillard's immediate future is now more unclear than it has ever been. While the Trailblazers have suddenly taken control of any potential trade discussions, Lillard has been a loyal member of Portland's roster since being drafted with the sixth overall pick in 2012. So while Portland will likely try to accommodate Lillard's desire to move to a contending team, he won't be unable to hold them to ransom to force a move to his preferred destination. Lillard is unlikely to be pleased with the recent change of events. However, the NBA's intervention, intervention is a win for front offices across the league and will ensure players cannot hold teams hostage in order to force their way to a specific franchise in the future. And since I brought up James Harden, if the Clippers don't want James Harden, who will trade for him? James Harden, who has played for three different teams since 2020, wants to be traded from the Philadelphia 76ers. But it's clear the 33-year-old guard is no longer an MVP-caliber player and doesn't have the leverage he once did. Even the Clippers, Harden's preferred destination, have been fairly unserious about what they're willing to give up in order to acquire him. The prevailing sentiment seems to be that Harden is still valued, but on the team's terms, which is a shift from the franchise-defining clout Harden had at his peak, reported Kyle Newbeck, a senior writer for the Philly Voice. The Beard has shared the court with some of the greatest players in NBA history, including Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, but he has zero NBA titles. If the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George were added to this mix, it'd be hard to find another player in NBA history who has played alongside such an illustrious list of talent throughout his career. 
Ever since his tenure with the Houston Rockets from 2012 to 21, Harden seems increasingly reluctant to invest in making his current situation work. Once his relationship soured, as was the case with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, and now seems to be the case with Philadelphia 76ers general manager Dale Morey, Harden is ready to bounce. The relationship between James Harden and Dale Morey is essentially severed. It's essentially fractured throughout this process, the Athletics NBA Shams Charania reported. Harden already opted into the final year of his contract for $35.6 million. So there's a possibility he will still be a 76er come opening night, especially if the Clippers, understandably, don't deal for him. But if Los Angeles doesn't want him, who else could take him off the 76ers' hands? If we don't get either a very good player or something we can turn into a very good player, then we're just not going to trade him, Morey told 97.5, the fanatic, according to the Philadelphia Voice. So, there you have the skinny on Dame Lillard and an unwanted James the Beard Hart. Well, this is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I will get back into the college football talk, but I had to get this out the way because I want y'all to know what's going on in the association and what I perceive as a double standard. Why now all of a sudden can a player have a preferred destination where he wants to go? It's worked for LeBron James. It's worked for James Harden, at least up until now. And I'm pretty sure it has worked for others. So why you want to do this now, NBA? Anyway, enjoy the ride, but don't you go nowhere. Stay seated till the ride is done. I will be back on the other side of this break. Remember, I'm going to remind you to shop local. Keep local businesses in business. like me. Go to Midtown Barbershop, located at 256 North Topeka. We have two seasoned barbers on staff, Tony and Malcolm. Once again, that's Midtown Barbershop, located at 256 North Topeka. Bald haircuts, fades, beard trims, grooming, you name it. You may go in looking like five bucks, but by the time they get through, you'll leave out looking like brand new money. Simply priceless. That's it. Midtown Barbershop. Tony and Malcolm. Tell them A-Train sent you. all aboard A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith.
Welcome back into the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. And yes, I had, I felt the need to address the hypocrisy, the double standard in the NBA. And why now do you want to address all teams in the league with a memo and then tell other players who speak the I only want to play specifically for. Why do you want to make such a big deal about it now? When you were given, like I said, LeBron James, he didn't say it, but you may as well say he was tampering. I mean, really, how do you define tampering in the NBA? Especially when players have access to each other during the summer and all-star games. You can't tell me that these guys aren't scheming up, hey, how can we make this work? Players with the same agents. I mean, come on now. I'm not on the inside, but I'm also, I think, I would like to think that I'm smart enough to know that. If you got multiple players with the same agent, something's going on. And they just found a loophole around the tampering guidelines. Anyway, that was my detour, but I'm getting back on track with the college football top 25. On my other show, I gave you basically 15 of the top 25. So I am going to go ahead and try to give you the rest of this list. So coming in at number 16, believe it or not, Oklahoma. Year one for Brett Venables and Norman didn't go according to plan as the Sooners posted their first losing season, 6-7, and seven, since 1998. However, a wide-open Big 12 and a roster returning 12 starters, including quarterback Dylan Gabriel, should be enough for Oklahoma to return to the Big 12 title contention. The Sooners lost their top two receivers and both starting tackles on the offensive line, but a deep backfield should help stabilize the offense. Venables hit the portal hard to help a defense that allowed 30 points per game last fall, and those reinforcements, combined with another year in the scheme, should equal some improvement. Also, Oklahoma is due for a little better luck after losing five games by seven points or fewer in 22. Number 17, Wisconsin. It's a new era in Madison as Luke Fickle returns to his Big Ten roots tasked with the modernizing Wisconsin's program in the evolving and soon-to-be 16-team Big Ten. The Badgers won't stay too far from their run-oriented roots with Braylon Allen, 1,242 yards in 2022, leading the way, but new play caller Phil Longo will shift to more of a spread approach behind SMU transfer quarterback Tanner Mordecai. Fickle's work in the transfer portal restocked the receiving core and added reinforcements to an already solid offensive line. Wisconsin's defense brings back eight starters from a unit that allowed only 20.2 points per game last year. Coming in at number 18, Kansas State. 
the reigning Big 12 champs won't have the dynamic running back Deuce Vaughn, but the development of quarterback Will Howard and five returning starters along the offensive line should keep the K-State offense performing at a high level. Although Vaughn's big playability won't be easy to replicate, Florida State transfer Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens should be an effective one-two punch on the ground. Head coach Chris Kleiman's defense held opponents to 21.9 points per game last fall. However, this unit lost its best pass rusher in Phoenix in Felix Yzoma and replacing six key defensive backs in the offensive-minded Big 12 is never easy. Number nine, another OSU. No, not Ohio State University, not Oklahoma State University, although they wear the same colors. How about Oregon State University? Coming in number 19. The Beavers are coming off just the third double-digit win total, 10-3 last year, in program history. And a trip to the Pac-12 championship game is within reach for 23. Quarterback play was the team's biggest weakness last fall, but head coach Jonathan Smith addressed that need in a big way by landing Clemson transfer DJ Ugalale. He'll battle with incumbent Ben Goberson for the starting job. The offense also features the Pac-12 freshman offensive player of the year, running back Damian Martinez, along with a line that ranks among the best in college football. Oregon State's defense showed marked improvement under first-year coordinator Trent Bray last fall, but building off last season's success will hinge on how well this unit can replace linebacker Omar Spates, who transferred to LSU and three standouts in the secondary. Number 20, Texas A&M. The concern level is running high in College Station after last year's disappointing 5-7 and seven mark and a surge of players exiting through the transfer portal. Despite the losing record, there's a glimmer of optimism for 23. Although Bobby Petrino brings plenty of baggage, his arrival to handle play-calling duties instead of head coach Jimbo Fisher is a win for an offense that features an exciting core of young players, including quarterback Connor Wegman, receiver Evan Stewart, and running back Ruben Owens. The development of young talent from the heralded 22 signing class is a reason to believe that Texas A&M's defense will take a step forward after ranking last in the SEC against the run, 208.8 yards allowed per game, and surrendering 5.8 yards per care per play in conference action. Coming in at number 21, Ole Miss. It was another busy offseason for the Portal King as head coach Lane Kiffin reeled in a standout haul of transfers on both sides of the ball. Those Two of those additions came at quarterback with Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State, and Walker Howard, LSU, brought in to push Jackson Dart. Running back Quinshawn Judkins returns after a brilliant freshman campaign, SEC best 1,567 rushing yards. The offense doesn't have a ton of glaring issues, but the post-spring departure of Texas A&M transfer Chris Marshall added more concerns to the receiving core. Kiffin also scored on off-season, an off-season coup 
when he hired defensive coordinator Pete Golding away from Alabama to fix a unit that gave up 31.3 points per game in SEC play last fall. Coming in at number 22, Tulane. From 2-10 to 2021 to 12-2 and in champs of the Cotton Bowl, Green Wave were the Cinderella story in college football last year. But this isn't a one-year wonder in the Big Easy. Tulane has plenty of staying power behind head coach Willie Fritz and quarterback Michael Pratt. A defense that held teams to just 22.2 points per game has a few holes to fill at linebacker, but remains in good shape with seven returning starters. How effective the ground game is after the loss of running back Ty J. Spears, 1,581 yards, 19 touchdowns, is the biggest preseason concern. Conference realignment is also working in Tulane's favor, although a showdown against UTSA looms on the season's final weekend. Number 23. TCU, replicating last season's surprise run to the national championship game, won't be easy for head coach Sonny Dykes. Gone are several of the key cogs, including quarterback Max Duggan, receiver Quentin Johnston, and linebacker D. Winters. However, the cupboard isn't bare in Fort Worth. Quarterback Chandler Morris appears prime for a breakout year, and the Horn Frogs use the transfer portal to restock the skill positions. Also, the defense remains strong with seven returning starters. Some regression is likely after winning six games by eight points or fewer last season. But even with the personnel turnover, Dyke's program will make plenty of noise in the Big 12 this fall. Number 24, UCLA. After a 10-21 and 21 start, at UCLA, Chip Kelly is 17-8 and eight over the past two seasons, and the program is positioned for a strong finish in its swan song in the Pac-12. A pair of newcomers, five-star freshman quarterback Dante Moore and Ball State transfer running back Carson Steele, will be counted up on to power an offense that lost quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson and running back Zach Charbonnet. New defensive coordinator DeAntone Lynn, Inherit seven returning starters, but the Bruins have room to improve after giving up 29 points per game last year. And number 25, North Carolina. Quarterback Drake May is back, and that's enough to keep North Carolina in the mix for the ACC championship. May's number one receiver, Josh Downs, departed for the NFL, but head coach Mack Brown is hoping that a pair of transfers Nate McCollum and Devontae Walker can fill the void on the outside. Defense has been a problem for the Tar Heels in recent years, and the 22 group ranked last in the ACC in points allowed, 30.8 per game, and 12th in the conference against the run while surrendering an ACC worth 6.1 yards per play. Concerns remain in the secondary, but seven returning starters provide optimism for improvement on defense in 23. There's also a next tier. And that next tier would be Iowa, Kentucky, Texas Tech, UTSA, Boise State, South Alabama, South Carolina, Arkansas, Miami, and Duke. 
Well, this is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Just wrapped up college football top 25 from a previous show that I did. So what I'm going to do right here, I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more for you. So stay seated till the ride is over. More importantly, enjoy the ride on the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Persimmon leaves, holy thistle, malva leaves, marshmallow leaves, blessed thistle, papaya, ginger, chamomile, and myrrh. It cleanses the upper and lower intestines, kidney, colons, lungs, and even the largest organ on our body. It cleanses our skin. Did you know the average person loses five pounds in five days? Our bodies can hold up to 25 pounds of waste. Most diseases known to man starts in the gut. How does it taste? That all depends on your preference. More information? Contact Anthony Smith at 316-553-2010 or you can go to his website at www.theepic.com forward slash saxmanhelp. That's www.theepic.com slash saxmanhelp. All aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Welcome back to another segment of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Never know which way this train is going to go. Never know. And the crazy thing is, I'm the conductor, and I don't know which way it's going sometimes. <laughs> but I can guarantee you this, you will enjoy the ride. I can, that I can guarantee you, you will enjoy the ride. So we're going to stick with some football news. You know, sometimes gambling just doesn't pay off. No, it really doesn't. And sometimes it leads to more trouble than it's worth. 
to the point to where it can also be criminal. As is the case with an NFL player who is facing criminal charges for betting on his own team. Somebody need to sit this young man down and talk with Pete Rose and ask Pete Rose, how did that work out for him? Seriously, somebody needs to sit him down with Pete Rose. Pete Rose to this day still is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, even though he is somewhat admitted that he actually did bet on baseball, but damage is already done, and they can't, he probably can't even step foot by the front door of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Anyway, on with today's story. As last week, Denver Broncos defensive lineman Ioma Uwerzerik, I guess that's how you pronounce that name. Sometimes I wish these people would get simple names. Anyway, he was suspended indefinitely by the NFL for violating the league's anti-gambling policy. Now he could face much, much worse than that suspension. A sports gambling probe by the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation names Uwazarik for betting on two Iowa State football games while he was a player in 2021 and placing 32 wagers on Broncos players and games during his rookie season in 2022 via the Des Moines Register. So you mean to tell me he's now in the pros and he's still not getting enough money to where he has to bet on games to try to supplement his income? It's amazing. Uwazarik, 25, is also accused of tampering with records. The complaint states that he knowingly and intentionally falsified personal electronic sports wagering records by concealing his personal identity in said records with the intent to deceive or conceal a wrongdoing knowing he had no privilege or right to do so via the athletic. The Iowa criminal complaint claims Uwazarik made his 32 wagers on Broncos games and players from a FanDuel account between September and December of the 2022 NFL season. The report says he bet on five Broncos games, including two he played in. Uwazarik appeared in eight games for the Broncos this past season, logging 17 tackles and two QB hits. He has no chance to apply for reinstatement until July 24, 2024, the NFL announced last week. So, wow. Sucks to be him. (laughs) Really, I mean, could have worked his way up, got better contracts throughout the years, but who's to say that he would get let back in after he applies for reinstatement in 2024. Look like his better football days for him is going to be in the USFL or the XFL. That is, if they will take him. Tell you what I'm going to do right here now. I am going to look at the top, the 25 greatest running backs of all time. No, I'm not going to go through this whole list, not tonight, 
but I'm going to go through a good portion of this list. And some you may agree with, some you may not agree with. But we're going to start with number 25. Frank Gore. At 38 years of age, Gore still produced as an NFL back. This fact alone is highly impressive. Gore currently ranks number three all-time at most rushing yards for a single career, 16,000, as of August 2022. The Florida native paired short, choppy steps with above-average agility. He consistently demonstrated an immense patience in seeking out running lanes. In 2019, Gore passed Barry Sanders to become number three on the all-time rushing list. Coming in at number 24, Marshawn Lynch. Y'all remember him? He played in the Super Bowl. However, old Petey, yes, Pete Carroll, decided to run four passing plays at the one-yard line. Makes you wonder what would have happened had Marshawn Lynch touched the ball in that goal line situation. Anyway, number 24 on this list, Marshawn Lynch. Putting his productivity Putting his proclivity for Skittles aside, Lynch was simply a fantastic football player. His stop and start style of running makes the knees of defenders buckle. Another aspect of Lynch's well-rounded game is the power with which he ran. There's an anger seeping through in virtually every carry he gets. Lynch led the league twice in rushing touchdowns. He also can be categorized as a five-time Pro Bowler, a first-team All-Pro selection, and a Super Bowl champ. And may I add, he actually should be a two-time Super Bowl champ. Number 23, Sean Alexander. The former Alabama star is one of only eight NFL players to have accumulated at least 100 rushing touchdowns. During his MVP season in 2005, Alexander accrued 1,880 yards, 80 rushing yards. He also rushed for an eye-popping 27 touchdowns, which totals the second-highest mark for a single season in NFL history, with the record being 28. Alexander's brutish running style led to a career in which he rushed for 9,453 yards, 100 touchdowns. Up next, number 22, Joe Perry. I bet you're saying who? Yes, Joe Perry. As part of the iconic million-dollar backfield, Perry relished in being the San Francisco 49ers' primary offensive threat. Perry was one cut and go type of runner. Once he hit the hole and got to the second level, it was virtually impossible to stop him in the open field. He was known for becoming the first NFL player to rush for at least 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. Duly, he retired as the NFL's all-time leading rusher 
though that mark has since been broken. Three-time first-team All-Pro was elected into the football into the into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1969. Once again, Joe Perry. Coming in at number 21, Edrin James. Yep, Edrin James. Okay, we're having some technical difficulties with this, but we will get things on track here. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do while I try to figure this out. I am going to take a break right here. And we're going to get these technical glitches ironed out. And when I come back, we will give you some more of this list. So who knows? We may just whiz right through this list. Then again, who knows? Right now. We're going to get this glitch figured out and we will give you some more of this list on the other side of this break. So stay seated till the ride is over. Yours truly, Anthony Smith, your conductor. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P Seed and Babe, is fully stocked for all your pet needs. We carry Victor, Bully Max, Diamond Value Pack, and many more brands. In addition, we carry collars, chains, and any pet supplies you may need, including grooming supplies and dog shots. Make sure to like us on social media. all aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. You know, just like radio, sometimes you run into some glitches and sometimes you just have to step away and iron it out. The reason I know because I've worked in radio before and I've witnessed some of those technicalities rearing this ugly head. So, it happens in radio, it happens in podcast. But we just keep it pushed. So, as I was getting glitches worked out, we stopped at number 21 with Edrin James. The U, known as Miami, has turned out countless all-pro NFL running backs. James is among the best to have ever, ever played at Miami. And that's saying something. Over the course of his career, James rushed for 12,246 yards and 72 touchdowns. He also caught 433 passes for 3,364 yards and 11 scores. The 
four-time Pro Bowler led the league in rushing twice and was named as the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. James appears to be a lock for induction into Canton one day. And in regards to that, those of you who may have listened to my podcast remember I did a story on one Otis O.J. Anderson who amassed more than 10,000 yards only to find out he wasn't in Canton. He wasn't in the Hall of Fame. As I'm looking at this list, I wonder if his name is going to be on the list. If his name is not on the list, that's going to be a head scratcher. He's a two-time Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl MVP. So if he's not on this list and not on this, and not, and we know he's not in Canton in the Hall of Fame, something is thoroughly wrong then. Anyway, let's move on next. I had to just bring it up because to hear that Edwin James is not in there yet either, that's something to behold. He should have been in there. Anyway, coming in at number 20, and we get to watch this guy in the moment. Derek Henry. The 29-year-old Henry is approaching the age where running backs tend to fall off. This proverbial cliff, off the proverbial cliff. Let's be real about one thing. The Florida native is a physical freak. He's essentially a fridge on wheels out there when defenders bounce off of him. The Titan star led the NFL in rushing yards and touchdowns in both 2019, 1,540 yards, 16 TDs, and 2020, 2,027 yards, 17 TDs, and was leading the league once again in 2021 before an injury ended his regular season after eight games. Number 19. This is the man that I say is responsible for Denver finally getting over the Super Bowl hump. Because prior to that, Elway was 0 for nothing in the Super Bowl. To me, the real MVP. Number 19, Terrell Davis. Davis has a laundry list of personal achievements. His MVP season came in 1998, where he accumulated career highs in rushing yards 2008 and touchdowns 21. Three-time Pro Bowler shined most during the playoffs. In both the Denver Super Bowl years, Davis combined for 11 touchdowns, 1,049 yards on the ground during postseason play. He was truly instrumental in helping franchise win pinnacle of the sport. Number 18. Fire up the bus. Jerome Bettis. Bettis was a freakish athlete in the best sense of the term. He looked more suited to play along the defensive line than he did a running back. It's what made Bettis such a revered and likable figure. He generously listed at 252 pounds during his career. Bettis was an exceptional runner on off the, runner off the football. The six-time Pro Bowler racked up numerous accolades en route to a 2015 induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He currently sits at number seven all-time in career rushing yards at 13,662. 
Number 17. Spawning over the course of his 14-year career, Riggins is only one of seven running backs to have rushed for at least 10,000 yards, 11,352, and 100 touchdowns, 104. The Kansas native led the Redskins to a Super Bowl victory over the Miami Dolphins. Riggins garnered MVP honors with a 38-carry, 166-yard performance, which included one touchdown. Coming in at number 16, rest in peace, gone but not forgotten, Franco Harris. To this date, Harris is the all-time career rushing leader in Pittsburgh Steelers franchise history, 11,950. Nine-time Pro Bowler's career can also be marked by a ridiculously fantastic postseason mark. Harris helped Pittsburgh win four Super Bowls. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl as he rushed for 158 yards and one touchdown on 38 carries. Few can compare to Harris in terms of winning at the highest level. Number 15, Thurman Thomas. For a while, he came from a school that was also known as running back U, Oklahoma State University. Thomas was the bell cow back for the franchise and infamously lost four straight Super Bowls. Though the Bills failed to bring a Super Bowl title home to Buffalo, it was not due to Thomas's play on the field. Thomas made the Pro Bowl five straight times during his overlapping during this overlapping period. He also had an eight-year stretch in which he rushed for at least 1,000 yards every season. Number 14, Curtis Martin. Martin made Pro Bowl appearances in three of his first four years in the league. After a relatively solid three-year stretch, Martin came out of nowhere to garner two first-team All-Pro denotations in 2001-2004. At 31 years of age, Martin impressively led the league in rushing 1,697. Consistency-wise, Martin's quickness and vision enabled him to rush for at least 1,000 yards in 10 straight seasons. Number 13, Marcus Allen. The stormy relationship with Al Davis led to Allen being jettisoned on the Oakland bench for years during his prime. At 33 years of age, Allen finally left for rival Kansas City, where he led the AFC in rushing touchdowns 12. He then led the Chiefs in rushing for four straight seasons. For his career, Allen notched 12,243 yards and 123 touchdowns. He ranks number 14 all-time in career rushing yards right behind James, and narrowly in front of Harris. Number 12, Tony Dorsett. To this date, Dorsett still holds the NFL record for the longest rush in history, 99 yards. The faithful in Dallas always have a soft spot for Dorsett as he rushed for at least 1,000 yards in 
eight of 11 seasons with the franchise. His time with the Cowboys included four Pro Bowl appearances and Offensive Rookie of the Year award, and three separate occasions in which he was an all-league player. Dorsett currently ranks number 10 all-time in career rushing yards with 12,739 yards. Number 11, Adrian Peterson. Who can forget him? Seven-time Pro Bowler set an NFL record as a rookie for the most rushing yards in a single game, 296. Seven different occasions, Peterson garnered all-league honors, including an MVP award in 2012. Despite having a taller frame, Peterson is excellent at making himself small when bursting through the line of scrimmage. His acceleration is simply mind-boggling, as is his penchant for warding off defenders with stiff arms and quick cuts. Peterson is currently the number five rusher all-time with 14,918 yards as of August 2022. Number 10, and I am going to stop right here at number 10, Earl Campbell. For his career, Campbell made five Pro Bowl, three first-team All-Pro teams, and was the 1979 MVP. He led the league in rushing three times and rushed to an impressive 4.3 yards per carry clip. Campbell's style of running limited his career to eight years. However, he clearly established himself as an all-time great. Campbell was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1991. So, hope you have found today's episode of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast very informative. As much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, hope you have enjoyed this ride. Until the next time, If you're in the Wichita, Kansas, or in the state of Kansas, I know we've been dealing with a lot of heat. So my advice to you is to drink plenty of fluid, stay out of the heat as much as possible. And when you stand out of the heat, just always listen to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I would appreciate the listenership and the followership. But until the next time, take care of yourself, each other. Until the next time. Keep your tickets because they are reusable. This is your conductor pulling the train to the station.